Um, the future is not college education. It's specialized education, mm. which means these employers, they're looking for people that have, they don't care about four-year degrees anymore. They don't care about MBAs especially anymore. What they care about is specialized training, specialized education. If you're an expert at like one thing and you're really good at it, um, there are people in, in companies that will pay you a ton of money. And you could even become independent maybe, right? And just be a become a consultant to those big companies for that one thing you have in specialized knowledge. So every, in every industry that you're in, think about where is that those areas of specialized knowledge that you can go out and get more training, become more educated on. Are you a follower of Jesus that feels called to expand the kingdom of God through building and growing successful businesses? If that's you, then welcome to the Kingdom Capitalist Show that interviews amazing Christians using their business and money-making abilities to expand God's kingdom all over the globe. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, and welcome to the show. Hey, Kingdom Capitalist community, I just want to remind you about the upcoming summit on April 23rd and 24th. This is unlike anything that you have seen on the internet or any event that you have been to where it really is focused for Christian leaders, for Christian entrepreneurs, investors, business leaders. We are going to be featuring some of the most incredible CEOs, award-winning entrepreneurs and authors, those who really are skilled at creating capital, at building businesses, at investing wisely so that we can grow and compound our money to have more impact and more influence for the kingdom of God. I hope you will join us on April 23rd and 24th, but don't wait to grab your ticket. Prices are only going up every week until the conference. We'll see you live April 23rd and 24th. Go to kcsummit2020.com. That's kcsummit2020.com. Welcome everybody back to the Kingdom Capitalist Show. Another fantastic guest that we have on the uh, have on the show today. I'm really excited about this brother. Um, another guy who's passionate about real estate, uh, but also passionate about the Lord. And so um, excited for you to hear his journey of transitioning uh, from a full time engineer into entrepreneurship and really building a business around real estate investing that really allows him to live life on his own terms. Um, and the way that, you know, his faith has been an inspiration to that uh, throughout his life. And so, uh, everybody, give a warm welcome to our guest today, Mr. Joe McCall. Thanks for being here, brother. Hey, Ellis. How are you, man? Good, man. Um, hey, I like to, uh, I, I definitely want to kind of get into your story and hear a little bit about you. Um, but I, I'm going to just start and ask and uh, ask you to pray for us, if that would be okay. I always ask. Uh, yeah, kind of lead in prayer. So oh, this is cool. I've never done this before in a podcast. Yeah, man. Well, we do it every week. So if you wouldn't mind, I know you're a faithful brother, man. So I'd love for you to pray for us before we get going. Okay. God, we thank you for Ellis. And we thank you for this podcast. I pray your name would be glorified and that you would help us to honor your name. We worship you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Joe, man, tell, tell our audience first, where are you at in the world? Well, St. Louis... Go Cardinals, right? <laughs> yes. Love St. Louis. Um, I've only been here uh, since 2002, so about 18 years, but um, my wife is from here. I'm from California. I was born in um, LA, was kind of raised in San Diego, but moved a lot as a kid. And um, so I'm in St. Louis, been um, doing real estate here full time since 2009. I was a um, civil engineer by training. 
got tired of the corporate ladder and um, decided I wanted to have my own business. And I also wanted the freedom. You know, we homeschool our kids, so we have four of them. And uh, I knew if I wanted to go see the world, I wanted to go see the world with my kids before they turned, you know, I wanted to go see the world with my kids before they left the house. And most people, you know, wait till they retire in their 60s and then go start traveling around the world. I wanted to do it sooner than that. And so I knew I couldn't do that while I was working in my full-time job. And so I went full-time uh, 11 years ago today. So Full-time as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Incredible. Because well, when you talk about traveling the world, I mean, tell our audience some of the places that you've been, by the way. Well, my wife and I got um, a week after we got married because I was still in college, we spent six months, five months in the Czech Republic in Prague doing a student exchange program. And it was really cool because the, the school workload is lighter in, in Europe than it is in the U.S. So I had a lot of time to travel. Um, so we fell in love with Prague. Uh, we went again when I graduated for just a week. But then after about a year, after about a year, I quit, uh, a year after I quit my job, we, had, we just had our fourth kid. And we went to Prague to stay there for a couple months. And I still did real estate deals while living there. We made some really good friends the first time we were there in 98. And they're still there. They're, they're pastoring an English-speaking church in Prague. So we're good friends with them. We wanted to go see them. And just we, we love the city of Prague. And then um, a couple, three years ago, but three years ago, maybe four, we went back to Prague again with our whole family for three months. And I just, you know, we rented an Airbnb and stayed there. That was kind of our base. And then from there, we traveled all over Europe. Well, not all over. We went to like Germany and, and Spain, Italy, um, a couple other places. Oh, yeah. We went to Turkey and Croatia. Croatia is amazing. Hmm. And uh, just, you know, did every weekend we would go travel and do something really cool. And uh, then three years ago, we took an RV trip for three months up and down the western half of the United States and had a blast. And so that, you know, I wanted, when I started this business, I, I wanted something that would allow me to do it from anywhere. You know, I, I didn't want to be constrained to an office. I didn't want a huge overhead. I didn't want a lot of staff. I wanted a business that was simple and easy to run. And uh, I could run from my laptop. All I need is a cell phone, an internet connection. And that's what I did, especially when, you know, um, every, every time we went to a different country in Europe, I'd get a new SIM card. Or when we were in our RV, I had an AT&T hotspot and a Verizon hotspot card. <laughs> I paid a lot of money for internet during those three months. Because, um, you know, depending on where you were, you have different, better reception with some things. But huh. um, that's, that's what I wanted to do. And my wife and I talked a lot about it. We prayed a lot about it. And we thought, man, let's, let's. It's not like we're anti-public school. We're just so pro-homeschool because we wanted to be able to go travel and do whatever we want with our kids, you know? And that's why I wanted to quit my job so that I wouldn't have to beg for time off or I got so sick and tired of counting my vacation days and my personal days and trying to plan my vacations out in the, a year in advance. It was frustrating to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, so I'm so excited to jump in this because there's a couple of topics that I know we talked offline, like this idea of like set, like, kind of living life on your own terms or building a business around your goals. And, and then even, you know, we didn't even talk about your, um, the RE, um, the, the investing mastery podcast you have, oh, yeah. which is, uh, I mean, you've been doing podcast, you're the OG man, the podcast world, right? Like you've been doing podcast, your, your, your domain for your calendar. I won't give it here online, but 
it's like podcasting.com or something. It's crazy. You know, you've been doing this for forever. <laughs> I had a, back when I started my podcast in 2011, um, I thought I'd missed the boat back then. Yeah. I thought I missed the podcasting wave. Um, cause I thought everybody was doing podcasts and I didn't know if it would grow as much as it has. And, um, at the time there was only about two or three other real estate investing podcasts. And, uh, I thought, let's do it. Three. And nobody at the time was really interviewing people either. So I started, um, interviewing people huh. for my podcast, all of the real estate podcasts at the time and the business podcasts at the time were just teaching hmm. and talking, you know? So I started interviewing people because I knew there's a lot of other people out there that are smarter than me. And uh, so I've been doing it, yeah, now for, for it'll be 11 years. It'll be, t- it'll be 10 years next year. <laughs> that makes sense. Wow. Incredible, man. Do you, have you been doing it every week for that long? Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm doing three episodes a week, but it's, it's pretty easy. Like, you know, when I'm driving in my car and something happens or I'm thinking about something, I'll just, you know, turn my phone on and record a quick REI in your car podcast. Mm. Um, and sometimes when I'm interviewing people, I, you know, I love talking about real estate. I love talking to people that are actively doing deals. And so I just say, Hey, let's do a podcast and talk about it. Or if I have a client who's doing something cool, I'll say, let's do a podcast. So I'm constantly interviewing people. Um, you know, like just a couple, three hours ago, I did a little Facebook live and YouTube live talking about the market and things like that. I called it the state of the union for real estate investing. <laughs> I, I said, listen, I'm going to, for the day, pretend to be the uh, president of real estate. And I'm going to tell you my two cents here. And so that will turn into a podcast. It's pretty easy to come up with content. If, do, you have a, um, do you have a good Donald Trump um, impression or, or did you just keep no, it? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. That would have been great. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I wasn't, I was dressed like this. So I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So let's get into this a little bit. So, um, you were an engineer, you're a full-time engineer and you made a decision, Hey, we are going to, uh, we want to begin to live life on our own terms. I want to talk about that. And, um, and, and, and don't hold back on, you know, I know how important your faith is to you and how, how important that's been for kind of all along. So, um, I, I just would love to hear like what gave you the faith in a sense to say, Hey, I'm going to go build a business. Cause were you investing in real estate while you were an engineer? Yeah. So I had already, I'd already had, um, I'd made a ton of mistakes. I mean, I have this whole long story that would bore you to tears of you know, all of the bad deals. I made a ton of bad deals, bad mistakes, almost went into bankruptcy. And, um, but there was a point when I started doing something different, unique. It's like a niche in real estate called lease options. I started doing lease options. And I, with, for, for about three months consecutively, I was making more money doing that than I was in my full-time job. And uh, we were about a year into the recession um, I, I could see it wasn't going to get any better. And I was worried that, cause I was a paycheck to paycheck guy. And if my employer said, you know what, sorry, you're out of here. Um, we're at, we, I wasn't worried about doing a bad job, being fired for doing bad work, poor work. I was worried about, you know, we were a contractor working for, um, uh, an energy company and that energy company has a lot of investors that they answer to. And, um, you know, a huge board and, you never know when the market's changing like it was, the owners could just say, hey, you know what? Um, we're shutting this project down or we're not going to do any more. And I knew that if I wanted to continue working, I would have had to been willing to move and relocate my family to wherever the work was. So mm-hmm. I said, I, I don't like that. Um, 
I, we really prayed a lot about it. And um, so we said, let's, let's do this. My wife, she had, she gave me a hundred percent support, which is, which was amazing. I'm very fortunate to have uh, my wife. Yeah. She's amazing. And um, she's, uh, per, you know, supported me pursuing all of my crazy ideas and dreams. And so I'm very, very fortunate. And I couldn't have done this without my wife. Uh, but one of the things we did was um, we said, all right, what do we want our life to look like? And it wasn't like it was this one meeting that we had where we sat down and we planned this all out. It was just kind of natural to me. And, and we talked a lot about it, but I, I was part of this coaching program at the time called life in air instead of millionaire. It's about being a life, life, having life, life on air. Mm-hmm. And uh, cause there's a lot of people that have a lot of money, but are broken inside and are completely uh, broke. They may look like they're rich on the outside, but the inside they're broke. So I wanted to, what was more important to us was to have a good life. And so most of us have our business or our job and that's the center of our life. And life just kind of fits in around that. Well, what if we reversed that and made the vision for our life, the center of everything and created a business that supported that. So we thought, well, you know, we want to be able to have the flexibility to go travel anywhere in the world. If we wanted to go support the missionaries or do go to the mission field we could do that um, and I could still have a business and still make money. I wouldn't have to raise support. Um, we wanted to homeschool our kids so we could travel anywhere we wanted. We wanted the freedom to um, be able to work from home. So I didn't have to work from an office, which meant I'm not going to, I don't have a big team. I don't want a bunch of overhead and staff and, and have to have an office. I want the flexibility to be able to work from home or from a Starbucks or from an office. If I, you know, I've rented office space before, um, hated it. Or if we wanted to go work in a, um, in, in, on the beach in Spain or a cafe in Prague or a chateau in France, we can do that. We can, if, as long as I have the computer and an internet, I can work anywhere and make really good money. So we, that's what I tried to do. We, just, we tried to design our life first and then design a business around that that would give us the freedom that we could go work and do whatever we and want. And you, you know, knew so lease options. I'm sorry, you knew lease options. Like that, that was the plan because you had kind of tested it before you yeah. made this movie. Like, hey, if we could just focus on this, scale this, we could really yeah. build what you're talking about. Well, I also saw at the time, like, because I, I was doing deals and I could, I can do deals still today in my sleep, right? But I was also thinking something bigger than that. Like I even knew when I was doing this, not a lot of other people were doing it. A lot of people were asking me, hey, will you teach us how to do this? And, um, I remember, you know, because in the real estate space, there's a lot of gurus that go out and teach stuff and sell courses on this stuff. And I always kind of, you know, some of them are cheesy and slimy and just stupid. But like, I thought, I'd love to do that someday. I'd love to be one of the good guys, one of the good guys that teaches other people how to invest in real estate. And um, one time, it was this is interesting. And I talk a lot about this on my podcast, even I'm open about it. Uh, Robert Allen was a famous guy back in the 80s. In fact, I have a book. Well, I can't get it now, but it's right over there. It says nothing down, totally revised for the eighties. And uh, it's a book. He was a guy at the time in the eighties that was selling a lot of TV infomercials and stuff like that on real estate education. And the book is actually really good. If you go through it and read it, it's like really, really good stuff. Well, he made a comment one time and I heard this and he said, I've made my millions doing real estate. I've made hundreds of millions teaching people how to do real estate. And I thought, huh, so you can make great money and have a great impact have an impact on people's lives. And that was one of the big reasons why I started this podcast is because I wanted to be able to teach people how to do real estate investing who were stuck in a boat like I was a few years earlier, 
who wanted to quit their job and were looking for easy, creative ways to do deals. And so I started teaching on my podcast and I give away a ton of free content on my podcast. But I also created a course. I started selling my course. I started doing consulting and coaching. And um, I've done really, really well in that. And I really like the, the, the publishing business because um, it, it gives me an audience. I, I, I know that what I'm doing is helping people. It's making an impact. And getting, doing deals, it gets kind of boring, to be honest. Um, so I, you know, I, I prefer to spend my time doing the podcast, creating content, helping the people you know, do some coaching, do some co uh, consulting, uh, create courses and sell online courses. Go like tomorrow I'm speaking to it at an event in, um, here in St. Louis, 500, 450, 500 people. Um, and so I enjoy that kind of stuff. You know? Yeah. Hey, so, so let me ask you this. Cause you, you know, you said something in there, uh, this idea of like, well, I wanted the freedom component, the income component. Cause if we wanted to go to the mission field, or if we wanted to go give, as if that was kind of a natural thing. But I don't, I mean, maybe the listeners of this show are more inclined to think that way, but a lot of people don't think that way, right? Like this idea that you can actually have an income producing business and, you know, which could give you the freedom and the opportunity to, to have a greater impact for Christ in his kingdom. And so, I'm, I mean, I, I kind of want to stay in that vein for a minute and then maybe just ask you like, so what has that looked like for you over the past decade? And then I want to get into, okay, let's talk about this. Like, I mean, maybe we can talk a little bit about lease options because I'm sure our audience is curious about what that is. And since that's, since you're the master at that, right. Since you're coaching that, but, sure, yeah. but maybe also beyond that tips or advice on um, how anyone can kind of start building more of these kind of virtual type businesses and just different steps or advice you would give. So, but we'd love to hear about what this past decade has looked like and what God has given you the opportunities to do since you've taken a, you know, you took that leap of faith and, and transitioned out of your business or out of your good question. Job. Um, you know, one of, one of my coaches early on asked me, um, cause my podcast was getting popular and I was starting to have, get a big following. And he asked me, Joe, what, Joe, what are you doing to extend the kingdom of God. What are you doing in your business to build the kingdom of God? And I thought, man, I got really convicted about that. I mean, I had a faith corner on my website, right? People knew I was a Christian, but I wasn't really doing much. And, and um, so we started getting more intentional with um, tithing, I think is really, really important. One of my favorite books is um, The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. Fantastic book. I love, love, love that book. My second favorite book is right there where my finger is pointing. It's called Desiring God by John Piper. Mm -hmm. um, amazing, amazing book. Desiring God by John Piper. The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. Of course, the Bible. But, um, we, I, you know, I started getting really a lot more intentional and faithful and disciplined on my tithe, number one, and then giving above and beyond that. Because I believe God's blessed us with money so that we could be a blessing to others. I mean, God doesn't bless us with riches and money so that we can give super nice cars and really nice fancy houses. And, um, you know, I have a, a eight, nine year old Nissan Maxima and, uh, it, it, it's a great car. You know, the engine light is on all the time. It keeps on turning on, but like it, it works. Right. And I don't even have to drive that much because I work from home. I mean, we, we really literally don't drive very much, but you know what? We go on nice vacations. We're going in a, a couple of days to Colorado for like a fully, um, what do you call it? It's like a dude ranch 
um, in Colorado in the mountains, like fully catered or, or whatever they, they take care of, it. but it's, that's an expensive trip. So we take nice trips, but, um, I really felt like, you know, God wants has blessed me with any kind of blessings that I have have definitely come from him, but it's not so that I can hoard them and, you know, live a luxurious lifestyle. It's so that I can give back, give to others. So, we, you know, we give a lot of money away um, to our church, to missions, to different organizations. And uh, I feel like God has called us to be generous givers, you know, and um, I want to be that guy. And my wife is on the same page. And we talk about this a lot. We want to give away everything. You know, we want to give away. We want to be known to God as generous uh, people. Mm. And I think that, uh, cause that's where the blessing really comes from. You know, there, there's the blessings are not material things. The blessing is we get to have a relationship with God, you know, and th- that is worth a million Bentleys and a huge uh, mansion, you know, in this life. But like, so I don't know if what I'm trying to say is like, I believe God has blessed us and I've done very well financially. I make a very good income. Um, but he's blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. Mm. And so when this guy was asking me, what, what are you doing to build the kingdom of God? I thought, you know what? I need to have more than just a, a, a faith corner on my website. So my latest book, I had a whole chapter just sharing my testimony. And uh, I talk about the Lord, not all the time, but, you know, but people know I'm a believer. I try real hard to have good lang- clean language on my podcast, but I'm very open about my faith. I talk about it a lot. People know. And, um, I, you know, my, my, my mission is not to, I don't share the gospel on every podcast episode. I talk about how to make money in business, how to grow a business. Um, I teach a lot of people now how to start online businesses in the publishing education space. Hmm. Um, does that answer the question? Yeah, no, I think it's really good. I love loving hearing your vision. Like you're, you're called to be a giver. I mean, you're, that's, that seems like a real passionate mission for you and your wife is you're trying to make a lot of money and you're trying to give a lot of money away. And I do appreciate that distinction. Like you don't drive the nice cars, but you do enjoy going on nice vacations. I think that's hard for people to really wrestle. Like, you know, all inclusive. That's the word I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, all inclusive. So I just, I don't know. I appreciate, I appreciate your honesty there. Like, hey, this is, this is actually what we spend our money on. Um, but, you know, let's, this idea of even what you just said, helping people invest in real estate or um, figure out finances or start this business online. I don't want to make just Kingdom Impact about giving because I truly think that helping people build a better financial future is of the kingdom, right? And helping people begin to find autonomy over their life is of the kingdom. And so let's talk about that business a little bit and, or maybe just your perspective in that, like your vision for, for teaching and helping people do this. I mean, that's a big part. I mean, how do you see those things coming together? Your faith in Christ, your vision for the kingdom. um, And then also this business of helping other people kind of create this business. Well, yeah, I love selling. I love the business of selling information online. Um, it's very scalable. It's, it's, there's, there's, you have the entire world as a customer, potential customer, right? When you're doing real estate, you only have, you're only targeting a certain number of sellers and buyers in a certain area, right? But I, I, if I was just doing real estate deals, I could only be really doing 
what I do in, in one or two or three different markets, right? But when I can create a podcast and push a couple buttons and send that out to, we have listeners in over 170 different countries on my podcast. Wow. Over 5 million downloads. Like I could show you my stats. We have people in countries that you've never even heard of that have listened to my podcast in the past. Now, maybe it was a contractor that was out there. Maybe it was somebody in the military that was there. But like there's people literally right now in China that are listening to my podcast in China, right? Um, so and I, I have listeners and followers from all over the world. Um, so I take that super seriously. And I know that I have a, I have influence, you know, I don't think it's that great, but like, I've got a little bit of influence, I think in the way the world, at least people in my world think like the video I just did, I talked about the coronavirus and I said, guys, we just need to kind of chill out a little bit and relax. And this, the whole thing, how can we look at this situation that's going on right now in the markets and the housing market and the economy and all this scare and people freaking out? Like, how can we use it to our advantage to do more deals, to make more money, not take advantage of the situation and people that are sick, obviously, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, how can we as investors do more deals and not be scared and not, you know, run to the hills. There's a great book I read called Who Moved My Cheese back when I was still had my corporate job. And it's all about like, when the market changes, you need to change with it. It's a study of these mice, they put them in a maze and the cheese is always in the same plot spot and the mice keep on going there through the maze to get to it. But when they move the cheese to another part of the maze, a certain percentage of the mice, they don't get it. They keep on going to that same spot every day and they eventually get sick and die because they can't find the food. Mm. But the smart mice, they go and find the cheese where it is. Right. And so in the real estate space, we need to know where the cheese is moving. And so that kind of influence, I want, I want to be able, you can't do that. You can't have that kind of influence on people's lives if all you're doing is doing your own deals in your own market. I wanted to share what I'm doing, what I know in the business with people all over the world. And so I've had the privilege of coaching people from, I counted it one time at like 12 or 13 different countries that were doing deals in the United States. When I do a webinar, when I do a podcast, I literally have people from all over the world listening in. Um, I have my podcast going out. So like, I love the publishing business, the information marketing business, because I can, I can, I can give away a ton of free content, but I can also sell content. I keep my best stuff for the stuff I sell that um, is going to have a much bigger impact, a much wider impact on people's lives. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. I'm curious. Like, so you're, you're teaching real estate. I mean, what are, to kind of brainstorm a little bit, right? You say you're teaching this publishing and online business. What are, is it, do you just teach real estate or do you, are you teaching others to kind of teach whatever they're passionate about and maybe some examples of that? I've done a little bit of that. You know, and if, if I had more bandwidth in my time, then I would want to teach more how to do an online business stuff. But um, there's plenty of people that teach that. So I teach people how to do real estate and um, do them in their own backyard or do them virtually in other markets. Um, that's so my audience is primarily people who want to learn how to do real estate, who want to learn how to quit their job, who want to uh, be, have, have more time with their family, spend more time with their kids, hmm. make a better income so that, you know, they don't have to be stressed out about paying the bills or paying the mortgage. You know what I mean? Yeah. So give us an overview of some of that. Like if, I mean, tell us, you know, I mean, we don't have time to go through the whole course of course a day, but I do want to dive into it and hear about your business. Cause I think our audience can learn a lot from what you're doing and um, 
yeah. maybe even begin to incorporate this. Cause I love that idea of like, you know, when I transitioned out of kind of my role as a pastor, it was, I, I was felt like I was doing a good job of stewarding my time or what I thought I was. And actually I really wasn't cause I, I, I needed to work in order to make money. So I wasn't actually being a great steward of my time cause I was living off of, you know, a salary. I didn't, I didn't have that independence of my time and I definitely wasn't living, being a good steward of my money because I didn't have any money. Right. So it's like you're helping people do both and kind of getting some of that time back and creating wealth. And so what exactly are we still talking about note investing? Is that what we're still talking about? No, uh, lease options. So there's different inside of real estate investing, there's different niches, Mm -hmm. right? Um, there's being a landlord, owning buy and hold rental properties. There's rehabbing the fix and flip stuff. That's what you see on TV. There's wholesaling, which is called wholesaling. That means you buy a property, you get a property under contract at a steep discount where there's a lot of equity in it. And instead of closing on the deal, you flip that contract to a landlord or to a rehabber who will buy the house, right? So you can make money by being the middleman. Of course, there's being a realtor. There's all of that that's involved with getting listings and commissions. Um, but there's also a niche. And there's also, like you mentioned, note investing. People invest in notes. People flip vacant land. People go out and develop land. Um, so we've, I've done probably about three or four different types of deals. My favorite is what's called lease options. And lease options is a strategy where you lease a property for a period of time with the option to buy it in the future at a predetermined price. So there might be a seller that's motivated. They want to sell. They just had a job loss or a divorce. Um, something's going on where they got some motivation, but they don't have enough equity and they can't list it on the MLS or they, you know, they can't sell it to an investor that's going to make them a really low ball offer. But I can say, listen, I can get you that price you want if you're willing to wait for it. You know, I can get you that price if you're willing to lease it to me for two, three, four, five years, and then give me the option to buy it in the future if I want. And during that time, I'll take care of it. And so sometimes that works for sellers. Sometimes still, if they want too much, then I might still be able to get them that price, but I'm not going to stay in the middle. And so that's when I'll do what's called a lease option assignment. So there's different kinds of lease option deals as well, where I can stay in the middle and hold on to it as an investment property for five years, or I can just flip the contract at the beginning, flip it to uh, somebody who's going to live in it. And um, so uh, lease options, I've found they're easier it's because I don't, I'm not buying the property. I don't have to go out and get a loan, get a mortgage or use my own cash. Um, and I'm also, there's a lot less competition for these kinds of deals. There's a lot of competition for properties that have a lot of equity in them um, because there's a lot of other investors that are targeting those people. But I'm able to help the other group of people, which is much bigger of people that don't have as much equity. Um, and they're, they're motivated, but they can't drop their price to where they need to sell it, to sell it quick. Um, so I can help those. So, so I found it's just, they're easier deals to find. On the, so let's start with the exit though, because if you're, if you're going to offer to buy it from them at the price that they want, I mean, from a, you know, we're, we're capitalists here. We're thinking, I mean, you're not just doing this. I'm sure there's a, there's a, a model of generosity mm-hmm. here, but at the same time, you're in this to build a business and make money. What is the primary revenue generator on, on a lease option? Is it the cash flow in the deal or is it well, something on, on the th- exit? There's two different kinds of lease option deals, two different ways to make money. So the first one where you stay in the middle, that's called a sandwich lease option. You get cash now, cash flow and cash later. 
You get cash now from the option deposit money the tenant buyer puts into the home when they move in. You get the cash flow and that's the difference between what you're paying the seller and what you're collecting in rent from the tenant buyer. And then the cash later is the difference between what you're selling it to the tenant buyer for and what you're buying it from the seller for. All right. So there's, there's three different profit centers in that kind of a deal. And again, I'm staying in the middle and these are only nicer homes in nicer areas. So I don't have to go out and get a loan or get a mortgage or, or get seller financing. Mm-hmm. I don't have to get a hard money loan, bank loans, or take over the seller's mortgage. I'm just leasing it from the seller. I'm staying in the middle and I'm subleasing it out to somebody else who's going to buy it from me when they're ready. Okay. That's a sandwich lease option. Now a wholesaling lease option deal, just like when I told you before, you can wholesale a property, you get it under contract at a really good discount and you can flip that contract or assign that contract to another investor. This is the same thing. So I would give the seller, let's say as just a simple, easy example, it's worth a hundred thousand dollars and it rents it for a thousand dollars a month. Um, so I would give the seller a contract for a thousand dollars a month for a, th- for a hundred thousand dollars in two years and the rent of a thousand dollars a month. And so now I have, I'm the tenant buyer in this contract and, and the contract I use is flexible. I call it. So if the seller sells their house before I find a good tenant buyer, they can cancel my contract and they don't owe me anything. So I'm not tying up the property. Okay. So now I'm the tenant buyer and I start marketing that property or that contract for somebody else to live in it. And like, like I'm going to be staying in the middle, but I'm average. So I bump the price up a little bit. I might bump the price up to $103,000 and a thousand dollars a month in rent. I find a good tenant buyer who's on the verge of getting a mortgage. You know, I only do this with tenant buyers that are six to 12 months, maybe one to two years away from getting a mortgage. Okay. I call them penalty box buyers. They're self-employed. They had a divorce. Something happened in their life that caused them to get bad credit, but they're on the Mm -hmm. verge of getting their credit back up to where it needs to be. So anyway, I will now assign, I'll mark the price up a little bit by three grand, let's say. So I'll advertise that property for $103,000 in two years and $1,000 a month in rent. When I find a good tenant buyer, I will sell my contract with its with the seller. Well, there's a little more paperwork involved, but I'll sell or assign my paperwork to that tenant buyer for a $3,000 assignment fee. Okay. And so I make $3,000 by selling that contract to that tenant buyer. And then I'm done. I'm out of the deal. Hmm. And then it becomes a contract between the seller and the buyer. Okay. Um, and that's, that's it. You know, so I, I coined the phrase wholesaling lease options because I'm wholesaling the lease option contract. Right? Do you still stay in that in the wholesale deal as a manager of that or no, you get out no, completely? I'm completely done. I'm out. Hmm. And the seller, they approve whoever I assign it to. Okay. Because on the assignment paperwork, all three parties have to sign. So everybody knows what's going on. Um, but I'm out of the deal. And that's yes. just, that's what allowed me to quit my job because I was yeah. doing three or four of those a month hmm. and I was making on average three to four grand on each one, which was, I was making about 75, 80 grand a year doing my engineering. And I don't know what that is, four, four to five grand a month. No, six or seven grand a month. So just doing two of those deals would replace my income at the time. And I was doing three or four a month so at three months in a row. That's when I said, all right, you know what? 
and my wife was on board, maybe, you know, I can do this full time and, and um, do even more. A couple of questions about that. And then I'd like to, I want to ask you about uh, the, the state of the union address there. Um, is there a particular, are there particular markets that this works best in what you teach? Like from a profile of a market? And would it work uh, in a market expensive as San Diego, let's say? I, you know, it's going to be harder in San Diego, but you're going to make more money because houses are so much more expensive there. The reason why, though, it's more, it's, it's maybe a little bit harder to do in California is because the sellers are a lot more optimistic. Um, and they're, they're, they're thinking that, you know, the price of their property is going to go up forever. And they think that it's easy to sell their house in San Diego because that's the way it's been for the last eight years, you know. Um, so give them some time to cook and you just watch, um, you know, when the market falls in California, it falls hard. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, while the market's hot there in California, there's the whole United States is in my backyard as well. So I'll go into maybe the Midwest markets and you can do these deals from anywhere. Um, so I might do this. I love the St. Louis, Kansas city, Indianapolis, Chicago, um, Dallas, well, not, um, not Texas necessarily, um, cause there's some different lease option rules and laws in Texas, but like I, I can do these deals anywhere when the market is strong, it's harder to do them in expensive markets like California. And the other reason why it's hard to do it in California too, is because the mortgage payments are so high. Mm -hmm. You know, there may be somebody there who has a mortgage payment of four grand, but that property would only rent for three grand. Mm -hmm. And so you have to think about how am I going to do a creative financing deal like that when the mortgage payment is so much higher than the rent. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Where, um, if people want to learn more about that type of method, your coaching, real quick, let us know that way. Without while we're on this topic, I'd love to be able to to share that. Yeah, two things. I have a podcast called Real Estate Investing Mastery. Just go to Apple Podcasts or Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, and do a search for Joe McCall or Real Estate Investing Mastery. Yeah, it's not and hard to find, guys. He's been doing yeah. it for ten years. <laughs> uh, you can subscribe to my podcast, but I also have a book. And I just happen to conveniently have it with me here. I love it. It's called Wholesaling Lease Options. And if you want to see how I, if you're interested, maybe not even interested in these types of deals, but you're interested in my publishing business and how I make money selling information online, get this book. It's free. You just pay shipping and handling. And I promise you, I will spam you until you buy something from me. Okay. So Put your name and email on this page. Get the book. Just pay a little bit. I think it's seven or eight bucks for handling, shipping and handling. And I'll make you a bunch of offers after that. I'll invite you to a webinar while I sell a course that teaches how to do more of these things, different kinds of deals. And uh, this book has made me millions of dollars and you can't buy it on Amazon. It's only at wlobook.com, wlobook.com, okay? And it's like a book. I'm so disappointed too because... I spent months writing this book and I got it back from the printer and it's only a quarter of an inch thick. <laughs> so discouraged. Like, what? But it's like it. all killer, no filler. It's just like, you, you can see that it's really high content dense. And I teach how to do those strategies I just talked about in there. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then, but you know, I, like for example, I can't give you my contracts in the book, right? I can't go into all the details about how to do certain things. So that's why I have a course that I created that actually gives people detailed step-by-step -step video instructions on how I do stuff. Has but, the quote been uh, true for you too, that you've made millions in real estate, but you've made hundreds of millions or not, maybe not hundreds of millions, but a lot more coaching real estate? 
Uh, yes. I, you know, I don't know, to be honest, I can't say that I've made a million dollars doing real estate. Um, if I were to look back at my numbers, you know, maybe it's close to that, mm-hmm. but I've definitely made way more money. I've made millions um, selling information and doing coaching and consulting. And I yeah. don't forget, I've been doing it a long time too. Yeah, 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 yeah. A decade so, for sure. But millions, that's a lot more people are going to earn in their W2, right? Than uh, most people that, and you're doing it on the internet. Um, I want to ask you this, because uh, this is the cap- the kingdom capitalist show. So, um, you know, this idea of capitalism, the economy is very important to us. And as we're recording this show, the world economy is um, tumbling in, in many ways. Uh, because of the coronavirus. And this is interesting. We never really kind of had this discussion on the Kingdom Capital Show, but I think it's relevant. And I'm curious because you're oh in gosh. the world of real estate and you're an investor. I would love to know your perspective as an investor. You're like to continue to build your portfolio of real estate and, and capital. What are you, where are you at right now in the market? What's your, what's your plan? Are you looking to to buy right now? Are you in cash? I mean, Talk a little bit about kind of your investing strategy with what you see happening going on in our current environment. This is crazy. I just went to cnbc.com. March Madness games will be played without fans. Wow. So, do you like basketball? Yeah. Are you I serious? They just announced it. Yeah. So they're going to be playing the NCAA tournament. No without fans. any fans. People are just, this is ridiculous. My, just real quick, you know, and I know this is serious. People are dying you know, with this coronavirus thing. But 20,000 people die a year on average in the United States with flu-related symptoms, causes, okay? 20,000 people a year die every year in the United States from getting the flu. And that's just the way it is. People are really, really freaking out. And, and I think the media is responsible for blowing this way out of proportion because fear sells, right? The media is pushing this thing hard in our faces, trying to get people riled up and scared and and in complete fear. And it's really frustrating to me because yes, it is a big deal, you know, but is it really this big of a deal that people are losing their jobs right now? You know, like waiters and waitresses that are dependent on tip income, you know, are are not getting going to be able to pay their rent, which affects the landlords who own those properties, right? Um, people in the travel industry, um, they're saying right now that this is going to be, this is having a a much bigger effect than 9-11 did Mm. on the whole travel industry right now. Mm. Um, So it's really bothering me and because fear sells and the media is just going crazy on this. Why? Because it brings eyeballs to their channels on TV, to their websites, you know, which gets them more money so that they can get paid, charge more to advertisers and um, it's just a feeding frenzy right now. And I'm, I'm really disappointed in the media and in our gullibility on how we're diving deep into this fear and panic. I mean, I've washed my hands more in the last two weeks than I have probably in my entire life. <laughs> and that's pretty good. I'm just kidding. But that's kind of funny, right? Like my hands are dry. Like I was at Walmart the other day and there was no toilet paper. And this is one of those super Walmarts. I take that back. There were two bags and I didn't want to be that guy who took the last one. So I didn't buy two bags. I just <laughs> bought one, but come on, you can't even go to Costco anymore or Sam's club and buy yeah, toilet paper, uh, hand sanitizer we went to Amazon to buy some soap that we like to buy. And it was a month long. It was like a, we have to wait a month before you can get it. 
So we did find some other stuff that we bought, you know, hand soap. But I think this is just getting blown way out of proportion. So, now it is. So so what are you doing though? As I mean, now like you're seeing this, this oh. is definitely affecting the world economy and as an investor. I mean, Good question. Where, so, where, where, what are you doing? Uh, a couple of things. Number one, we talked about who moved my cheese, right? And so I did a live video today to my, and I'm turning it into a podcast. And I called it the state of the union for real estate investors. And I pretended, I said, hey guys, I'm just going to be the president of the United, I'm going to be the president of real estate today. And um, I was dressed up real fancy like this. And I just said, listen, guys, you need to chill. But number one, think about like, um, where's the cheese moving to? And we as investors, right? Um, what can we do? How can we capitalize on this fear? And I, I want to say that like sensitively, right? Because like, I don't want it to make it sound like we're taking advantage of people in bad situations. But we need to make money. And the capitalists, people in business need to make, we're not, we're not a charity here. We're in business to make money. So as a real estate investor, you got to think about these things. Like number one, maybe it's not a good time right now to buy a house fix it up and rehab it and sell it in three to six months because you don't know what the market's going to be doing. What if this fear continues to get worse and worse? You try to buy this house here, put a bunch of money in it to fix it. And you try to sell it in three to six months. You may not sell it as quickly as you thought. You may have to hold it for a year and you may sell it for way less. So let's be smart about this. Maybe it's not a good time to go out and buy houses to fix and flip. The other thing is if you're a landlord, what if the market starts going south still, continues to get worse? Now you get people losing their jobs. We get into this big recession. Um, what's that going to do to the tenants that we have in our houses? Are they going to be able to pay the rent? Do you have enough in reserves to cover the ups and downs that come? You know, people always need housing. So I'm not worried about like, and that's why I love real estate because it's not like the stock market where it can turn on a dime and plunge mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 10%, 20% in one day, right? Real estate moves along much slower. Um, but you know, as if you're an, if you're a landlord and you, if you're over leveraged on your properties, if you have too much debt, um, and you start seeing a, a hiccup in the economy and you start having longer vacancies, or you start having tenants that are having a hard time paying their rent. Um, what's that going to do for you? The bottom on your bottom line, you're not going to be able, and, and people that are buying huge apartment buildings and commercial projects with the hopes of being able to refinance them out in a couple, three years, five years, seven years or whatever. What's going to happen if you can't refinance that property out and you have all of a sudden a bunch of private equity that needs to be paid off? I know there's contingencies and you can work through all of that, but like um, this, this thing that we're going into now where so many investors are like, I'm seeing this now that are like that was in 2006 in a certain sense where they're taking bigger and bigger and bigger risks. They're taking on more and more debt, more leverage, and they're just counting on a future appreciation. There's people that like right now, everything they touch is turning to gold and they think it's going to be like that forever. They've only been doing real estate for three or four years and they're making money hand over fist. They're doing well. That's awesome. And they think it's going to continue forever. And it's not. There's a guy I was interviewing once on my podcast. He says his philosophy is refi till you die. That's what his preaching. That's, that's his mantra. Refi till you die. And I just think that's a huge mistake. I think it's going to get a lot of people in trouble. So, as a real estate investor, what I was saying on this podcast was as you're going forward, start thinking about where's the cheese moving to? I, I think right now you need to be in and out. In this kind of a market, a quick nickel is better than a slow dime. When you have uncertainty, a quick nickel is better than a slow dime. And that's why I love wholesaling. That's why I love flipping or wholesaling lease options. Because all I'm doing is I'm not obligating myself 
I'm not buying the house, right? I just have it under a contract and I sell that contract and then I'm done and I'm out of the deal, right? So I'm making quick nickels. I'd rather make quick nickels now than slow dimes. And then when the market tanks, that's when I come in and I start buying assets. I start buying properties and renting them for the long, long haul with as little debt as possible. Maybe getting 15 year notes on them, 15 year mortgages, right? Um, but paying off that debt as quickly as possible. So, um, and that's what got me in trouble way back because I, you know, I, I, I bought in hook, line and sinker, the whole rich dad, poor dad thing. And I thought that, you know, um, it was okay to have a lot of debt. And it turns out I, I wasn't prepared. I mean, I did, I ignored the fundamentals. I, I, I was way over leveraged. So what I'm telling people today is don't, don't be pessimistic because you can, wherever the market is going, there's opportunities and um, don't, don't hide and, and run to the hills. Like now might be a good time to think about quitting your job. If you're worried about the coronavirus, because you can work from home. The coffee's better at home. The bathrooms are cleaner. The commute is way better. Like there's a lot, I love working from home. So if you're already doing some real estate um, on the side, you've got to be thinking about this. Like if you lost your job, would you be okay? Or maybe you need to get, start getting back into the real estate game and start like doing deals. Cause this is something that scared me to death. When I was working my full-time job, I was paycheck to paycheck. I was one firing, one firing away from bankruptcy. If they fired mm -hmm. me and let me go, what was I going to do? So I wanted to have more control of my destiny by having a business of my own, right? So people need to start thinking, if you have a job now, you don't have to quit your job and go into real estate. But if you did lose your job, what are you going to do, right? Are, are you going to be dependent on that paycheck? Are you going to be able to get another job when a bunch of other people are looking for the same job? Are you getting older and it's harder to get, new, to get a job because of your age? I mean, let's face it, that exists. Age discrimination exists. So what are you going to do about that? You need to have a way to make money on the side if that happens. And I think there's no better way to make money on the side right now than real estate. So dust off all those old courses that you bought. That old book from the 80s called Nothing Down from Robert Allen. Go open that book up. There's still good stuff in there. Start learning different skills, different things that you can do. So when the market changes, you can, you'll be fine. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. It makes it's so crazy. I, was, I think it makes perfect sense because I think there is this false perception. I'm sitting down with a guy in my Bible study the other day, and he's gone to school. He's got his master's to be a teacher, and it's this idea of like, if I go to get enough schooling, I get enough education, I'm going to get a secure job, and things are okay. And the reality is, like, because this district in San Diego is beginning to decrease in numbers they're about to lay off all of these teachers. And it hit me. It's like, like, you know, this idea that entrepreneurship is risky or business ownership is risky. Like it, it listen, I got security cause I'm my own boss and I know how to create money. I know how to create income, right? I know how to, to do deals and I know how to, um, you know, recruit and do sales versus, you know, unfortunately this other guy who he's done this education, he's kind of, you know, done the traditional route he's at a point where he's not sure he's going to have a job next month. And so um, I think that's an incredible piece of advice to say, guys, begin to, I mean, most of our listeners are doing this, but I think that idea of like educating yourself and investing in yourself, especially in a place like we're about to get into in where, wherever the economy is going, there's not a better time for that. Oh, um, I, I totally believe that. Cause you can go out and spend a hundred thousand dollars on a college education and where's it going to get you? 
Mm-hmm. It's going to get you a 50,000, 60,000 a year job with a bunch of student loan debt. And then what are you going to do? You're going to vote for Bernie Sanders and, and he's going to wipe out all your student loan debt and uh, make healthcare free for everybody. How, how can the government pay for that? It's not going to happen. So it, it's, people need to start educating themselves. And this is why I'm passionate about online education because there's so many good um, content. There's so much good content out there. Like if you want to learn how to sell things on Amazon, there's, there's, there's courses on that. If, if you want to learn how to um, start a landscaping business, there's courses that you can buy on that. There's YouTube videos that you can buy on that. If you want to learn how to do real estate, I can give you five or 10 really, really good courses. Now, yeah, you're going to have to spend a thousand bucks or 2000 bucks for a good course. But I tell you what, I'd rather spend $2,000 to learn how to make $100,000 doing real estate than spend $100,000 in a college education to learn how to make maybe 50, 60 grand a year. Like, Mm. it's just people um, need to understand the importance and how much is available to us. It's it's unseen. It's never been seen before in in our history. Yeah. How much we have, how many resources we have available to us if people would just learn to take advantage of them and learn how to um, learn a skill. I mean, maybe it's like, I, I, you know, if you're into computers and uh, you have a computer science degree or something like that, you should be getting training on looking at the, ahead of the trends, like uh, hacking. What about technology for biochemical warfare? Or like um, if you have a way, like if you can see what's going on in the industry, where things are going with, 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 with health viruses and things like this, or I don't know, I'm just thinking out of my, my head, but yeah. like get some special training on those things because when the, when things change and happen and, and, and will happen, you will be ready, prepared and educated. I think it was somebody just said, I will hire, it was like a CEO of a major company. Like I remember it was Hewlett Packard or something. They said um, the future is not college education. It's specialized education. Mm. which means these employers, they're looking for people that have, they don't care about four-year degrees anymore. They don't care about MBAs especially anymore. What they care about is specialized training, specialized education. If you're an expert at like one thing and you're really good at it, um, there are people in, in companies that will pay you a ton of money. And you could even become independent maybe, right? And just be a com- become a consultant to those big companies for that one thing you have in specialized knowledge. So every, in every industry that you're in, think about where is that those areas of specialized knowledge that you can go out and get more training, become more educated on. And uh, for me, I've chosen certain specific niches of real estate investing that I know work really well in any market, but work especially well when the market is going down. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. It's great advice. Uh, Joe, I'm thankful for your time, man. I'm so great to, grateful cool. to have you on and uh, to be able to share your your knowledge and experience with our audience. Uh, besides the book, um, the REI uh, or the real the RE Investing Mastery Podcast. Is there any other way, you know, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, that they should go to? Uh, well, I'm on Facebook, but don't send me messages in Facebook because I don't. <laughs> it's overwhelming. I can't keep up with them. But um, the podcast is the best way, Real Estate Investing Mastery. Go check that out. And if you want my book, uh, just get this, wlobook.com, wlobook.com. It's free. Just pay a little bit of shipping and handling. We'll send it out to you. And um, I have people that, I've, I've, this book has changed a lot of lives. And I'm really, really proud of it. Um, that's the best way. 
Yeah, man. I love it. Thanks again for your time, brother. We're grateful. Everybody, we'll see you next week. And uh, thanks again. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you want to learn more about our community, you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co. There you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows. And last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guests of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.